You're listening to Your Best Life, powered by Mercy One. Join us as we have a fun conversation with certified experts and physicians about health topics for you and your family. It's Your Best Life, our one purpose. Hey everyone, this is Sherry Purdy. And this is Miriam Lake. And thanks for joining us today. We are going to be talking about, you know, it's summertime and it's time to get those children in for their summertime checkups or physicals. But because right around the corner is school and sports, so we want to make sure that the children are getting in for their yearly physicals and yearly sports checkups. Did you know that nationally there are more than 1 million kids that have already missed appointments due to the COVID? So this is why we're talking about it today. It's so important to get our kids in there regardless of COVID because it's safe to get them in there for their checkups. Now, I know we're all thinking the same thing. What's school look like in the fall and what's the sports look like in the fall? But I, but it's still very important to get our children in for their yearly physicals and their sports checkups just for the health of, of their well-being. So today our friend Greg in Central Iowa is, is going going to be joined by Dr. J. Michael Metz to highlight the importance of getting in these annual checkups um, for our children and their immunizations uh, up to date. Take it away. I'm Greg Blagan, and I'm with Mercy One Des Moines Medical Center. And today on Your Best Life, we're talking with Dr. J. Michael Metz, a pediatrician with Mercy One Central Iowa. And Dr. Metz, thanks for joining us today. It's great to talk with you today. And uh, you're a pediatrician, and one of the most important uh, things that is involved uh, once a child arrives and you have a new family start are the well baby checks and vaccinations, and that's what we'd like to focus on today. For someone who might be a brand new parent, uh, how important are those uh, vaccinations and the well baby checks and getting to those appointments on time. Well, those are really the core of pediatrics in all honesty. So as we're looking at why we do well checks, there's a lot of things that go into it. Some things behind the scenes that potentially you don't notice as a parent, but we're checking all kinds of different things. So most people think about it, oh, it's just a physical and you do a physical and you're done. But the reality is that we're looking at growth. We really focus on development and what are children supposed to be doing at what time is so super important. And although there's a window of time where things are normal, we want to help the parents make sure that their children are developing. And then if they aren't, get them the services to make sure they get where they need to be. We're also looking at things like vision. We do vision screens and we can do that as early as 12 to 15 months. We're checking on oral health care, making sure that as the teeth come in, that we're helping you get the best dental care you can, even in our offices. Everyone thinks that's a dental thing, but that's a medical thing too. And then of course, vaccines become really important as well. And people focus on vaccines, But really, we like to focus on the fact that we're preventing diseases and some really serious and bad diseases that are so much less frequent now because of the blessing we have of the vaccinations. And uh, with the vaccines that are uh, being received, these were developed for previous uh, illnesses and disease that uh, face children in uh, years before, something maybe their grandparents or parents uh, had to face. Yeah, absolutely. So some of these are 
diseases that we still see in the United States, and we think of them on a daily basis. So we vaccinate against streptococcus pneumonia. Streptococcus pneumonia causes pneumonia, ear infections, sinus infections, bloodstream infections, and meningitis. And we do see that in the United States. So it's important that we vaccinate to prevent those diseases. There are some others, and you mentioned your grandparents might have heard or seen, like polio. And you think, I don't need a polio vaccine anymore, do I? The answer is, yeah, we still need that. And I think in the timing of COVID, people get that understanding better that although there's only 35 to 50 cases of polio a year in the United States, or the world, excuse me, not in the United States, what we see is that if we didn't keep vaccinating, that 35 could become 70, that 70 could become 700, and then it could make a big comeback again. So some of the things we vaccinate against aren't real day-to-day worries, but because they're still in the world, they still pose a risk if we don't keep our numbers of vaccinations high. And that's what we call herd immunity, where so many people have had the vaccine that even if a few cases develop, it would not spread rapidly. As we think about our vaccines, most of them are series of vaccines. There's a few that's a one time and you're done, but many of them in a basic sense, what we do is we get one and it provides some protection. And then a time later we get a booster, a second time, and then we get more protection from that second and or sometimes third dose of the vaccine. So even after the first vaccine dose, there's some protection but to get the whole series would provide much more protection over time. So that's why it's important to come in at two months and four months and six months to get our series of vaccinations at that time. And that makes a big difference towards keeping everybody healthy. And with uh, the measles uh, in the last few years, it seems like we've been seeing a little bit of a resurgence. And that was a disease that had been pretty much eradicated in the United States, correct? Yeah, sure. So in 2004, we said, hey, measles is gone. We don't see it in the U.S. anymore, and that was fantastic. Since then, though, there have been multiple smaller outbreaks, some of them getting fairly large, and some of that is travel, right? So we're a global world, and people can come and go from different countries. COVID has proven that. And so as people have come that may have not been vaccinated against measles, they may have had a mild case, not known it, and they come to the U.S. with decreasing vaccine rates in some areas, that's how things got to be really spread. So you think about measles as one of the really serious diseases of childhood. And you think about COVID and influenza, for every person who's sick with one of those diseases, about one to one and a half people will get sick from that one person. Measles is a number of 40. So, Greg, if you got measles and you walk into a Hardee's restaurant, you're likely to spread measles to 40 different people. So that's a really, really contagious disease. And the good news is as long as we get our measles vaccines, which happen at a year, and then our booster happens at four or five years of age, that our risk is very, very low of getting that here in the United States. Now, with COVID, uh, that is uh, an evolving disease that uh, there's no vaccine for. And it's caused uh, some concern for parents as far as bringing their children in. Uh, It also has uh, caused some concern about uh, safety. 
And uh, for vaccines uh, for COVID, is there anything a parent can do uh, to uh, keep themselves and their child safe um, as uh, work is being done to try to come up with a way to prevent? So absolutely. So one of the most important things is come in for your preventative health care visits. Get your vaccines. But also, when we are at our preventative health care visits, we're talking about a lot of other things that can keep you healthy. So we're going to talk to you about five servings of fruits and vegetables a day and how that can help a healthier child. We're going to talk about good sleep hygiene and how that helps the immune system and keeping you healthy. So we're going to discuss a lot of things at those visits that aren't just vaccines, can help keep you healthier and safer. As you bring your child in for the vaccines and your healthcare visits, know that we are doing our absolute best to decrease risk. And we hear parents fear, we understand it too. And we're parents, I'm a parent of three children, and I understand as well, I don't want my child to get sick by going to the doctor. But each and every one of our clinics has done a tremendous job of spending a lot of effort to make sure it's the least risky place it can be. So you no longer will see people in the waiting rooms very often. You'll see separate entrances for well child versus sick visits. And in some cases here in central Iowa, anyone with a fever and respiratory symptoms is going to a specific clinic that isn't my clinic. So you can even feel better that the likelihood of a COVID patient coming in contact with you while you're at your doctor's visit is really quite, quite low. Now, obviously, you're going to hear this from the CDC, the WHO, and all kinds of other people that are giving you this advice. Social distancing is really, really important, right? So, Don't go hang out with a bunch of people and get really close. Stay away a little bit, but don't necessarily have to be hermits, right? Humans are social. We want to be around people, but try to keep some distance. And then the other thing you want to do is wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, and wash your hands. So people don't do enough of that, and especially before COVID. So let's do that. Let's make sure we wash our hands really well. And don't forget our thumbs. Everyone forgets the thumbs. You want to get that part as well. And then masks are kind of controversial, right? But they really shouldn't be controversial. They're not the mainstay, but along with social distancing, along with with washing our hands, along with making good choices about who we are with, masks can be useful. And for children two and older, it is recommended anytime you're in a space where you can't keep your social distance of more than six feet. So those are the things we can do to really care about others. And also, if you're feeling sick, don't go out. Stay home. Stay away from your friends if you're feeling ill until you're certain that you're well. We've been talking a lot about social bubbles. I don't know if you've heard that term yet or not. But social bubbles is really about finding people who have a like-minded idea of how to keep safe, make a contract with them, that you're going to go ahead and not come to their house if you're feeling sick, and they shouldn't come to your house if they're feeling sick. You're going to agree on social distancing as much as you can. And then you stay together with that group when you're going out so that you're not completely isolated, but you're not taking a lot of risk. So social bubbles is a term I think you're going to hear about um, a lot more in the next few weeks. And um, with uh, a child, uh, if you're two years old, 
it's hard enough, I, I've heard, uh, and my experience tells me, uh, to get your kid to keep their shoes on, let alone a mask. What, yeah. uh, what can you do as a parent to uh, be able to uh, put that mask on? Because when I've been out to the stores or I've, I've been around, I have seen some younger children who have yeah. wearing masks and they haven't been fighting mom and dad at all. So it is really difficult. And so the American Academy of Pediatrics just put out a statement about wearing masks, especially for school-aged children, and whether that should be something. And they did kind of recommend that, but they even went so far as to say for the pre-K and K kids, that maybe that's not something that we really would expect of them because they don't do it very well. But at the same time, we can practice. I don't know if you've ever heard the, the practice makes better. It doesn't make perfect. Uh -huh. But it makes it better. So you can, at home, when it's not really a major stressor, work on wearing a mask. Talk about not putting on um, the mask and then touching your face a lot. And making sure that you wash your hands before you take your mask off can be really helpful in practice. So practice makes better. And I think that's how we're going to get our family members, it's not just the kids, our family members to do a better job with the mask wearing. Can uh, you also do a little role playing uh, since children uh, sometimes maybe watch mom, dad, or brother, sister, and um, uh, say, I'm putting my mask on because I want to feel safe. And, uh, and then uh, say, thank you. Thank you for helping keep me safe. Sure. Modeling is such an important part of parenting. Um, anyone who's had a two or three year old knows that what you say, they're going to say. So be careful what you say. Um, so this is another example of that. So you can teach them that wearing their mask is helping them stay safe and helping others stay safe. And in simpler terms when they're younger, and you can get more complex as you get into your teenager years, they're going to understand a lot more. But keep it simple early on, keep it positive, and explain more as your child is more developmentally ready for that information. As uh, we head into fall, uh, we head into uh, different seasons that I, I've heard from uh, physicians that uh, this fall may be a little bit challenging because usually as we head into fall in the winter months, uh, flu becomes an issue. And uh, the difference uh, between uh, COVID and the flu uh, may be a little bit challenging this year. How important are flu shots to children uh, in this uh uh, this time, uh, because they can start getting the flu shots uh, earlier, my understanding is, to uh, help make the symptoms a little bit less? Sure. You know, what's important about the flu shot and COVID is they do have some overlapping syndromes and symptoms. So if we can, what we want to do is reduce as much as possible the influenza load this winter. And the best way to do that is through getting your vaccine. Now, we know the flu vaccine is not perfect. And in some years, it is 40% effective. In some years, it's 50 or 60% effective. But it's always better than 0% effective. So that's something to kind of know. The best time to get your flu shot, and the American Academy of Pediatrics mentions this, it's probably October. So before November hits, because the flu season can be a little bit unpredictable, some years it happens in November, sometimes not till January, and you can start getting your flu vaccine as soon as six months of age. 
six months of age and older is highly, highly recommended. And so we start doing that in our office as soon as we receive our influenza vaccines, and that's usually late August, early September. And we give the first year two shots. One of them primes. The second one a month later makes it more effective. And then after the first year, you only have to have one. There are other options besides the vaccine shot. And there's actually a nasal mist that some children would opt for instead of the shot itself. And it seems to be fairly, if not equally effective to the shot vaccine that people are getting. Okay. And uh, also in the fall, we have uh, school starting up again. This year may be a little bit more challenging. Um, are you doing uh, flu, or excuse me, are you doing uh, well uh, child uh, physicals and that, uh, those are still important to get taken care of. And will there be uh, special things you'll share on ways to navigate the uh, classroom? Because it, it's changed too, to maybe so many days in school and a lot virtually. Yeah, so first thing I'd say is this is all new to all of us and that none of us are really experts in the field of COVID yet. At the same time, time we lean on those who have more knowledge and so we're looking to the american academy of pediatrics the cdc the who to kind of help us yet at the same time um, we're not absolutely certain how the fall is going to go and what's the best thing to do we'd love to have the kids in school if we can physically there for their social their emotional health that's important and they're learning they'll probably learn better in that setting. There are children who are at risk at home and who have less available resources. And so they really depend on their schools as well. So we wanna talk about that at our well child exams, but we have to make sure we encourage people to come in for those. So don't be afraid to come in for your well exam. We're gonna talk about all of the health things you need. We're gonna give you all the vaccines that you need. We're gonna give you a lot of anticipatory guidance of things that will come up, we know will come up, and then we'll talk about COVID. I end every one of my well exams right now with, do you have any questions about COVID? And you'd be amazed at how many people go, yeah, I'm just not sure what to do. And then we have open and honest discussions about sometimes the lack of information but we also talk about what we know so far and about being diligent and being careful to provide the best chance to stay healthy. Okay. Now, in uh, most uh, states, and certainly in Iowa, there are some vaccines that you have to have uh, before you enter high school. Uh, has that changed at all with uh, COVID, or is that still required that you need to have the HPV shot uh, before you can go to school. So as we talk about the vaccines, we have not as of today heard that there's going to be an extensions on requirements for those. So there's two times in school life that you have to have a vaccine to enter. So for actually there's three um, at kindergarten, you have to have your vaccines up to date. So that includes your MMR and chicken pox, your DTaP and your polio. So we still have to have those to enter your kindergarten year. Seventh grade, we also have some requirements. Although the HPV vaccine is not required by the schools, it is something that we like to do at that point because it's also very important, every bit as important as the meningitis vaccine, which is required, and the tetanus booster or pertussis whooping cough booster, 
that's required. And that's to enter seventh grade, although we typically do those three vaccines equally important at the 11 year visit. And then also before you enter your senior year of high school in Iowa, you have to have your second meningitis or your booster as well. So expect that your school will say you've got to have those. Let's plan for that. If you're thinking about whether you need to get a physical exam, you can always call your doctor's office and say, I'm not sure if I need to come in yet. Can you help me? And we can always look up when the last exam was and help guide you and give you direction to make sure your children are up to date so they can enter school as ready as they can be. Okay. Now with the uh, uh, virtual and telemedicine visits, those have become very popular with all age groups. Those don't replace uh, an in-person well check uh, for child or anyone. No, you're correct. They do not. Um, so we still need to see you, put our hands on you, examine you, and get vital signs for all the health maintenance exams. At the same time, our telehealth business has really been useful to parents. So when you are at home and you're concerned about potentially a new rash and you don't want to come into the office, we can do things that we can look into would be um, depression and if you've already had a diagnosis of depression and you're on some medications, what can we do? We can see you by telehealth and have discussions there. So telehealth has been really helpful, but it does not replace the health maintenance exams that we want to do for your children. So to tie things together in uh, the best interest of your child, uh, know when your child should come in to see the physician. Uh, be as educated as you can on uh, the shots that are needed and the exams that are needed. And if you don't know them all, that's why uh, we have the wonderful pediatricians there. And our clinics are safe, open, and ready to see kids now. Absolutely correct. So you're right on all of those things. We're here for you. We want to be here for you. Don't be afraid to come in. And if you're not sure if it's the right time to come in, just give us a call. We'd be happy to talk with you about it. Okay. Dr. Metz, is there anything we uh, should add? I think we covered most of it. So it's been great talking with you, Greg, and I hope that this information is helpful to anyone who's listening to it today. Thanks, Dr. Metz, and thanks for keeping us healthy. Thanks for all of that great information, guys, and thank you for listening. And until next time, live your best life. <music>